is Ascension Sisters, a live serial radio podcast where we don't accept the conventional narrative of what you're supposed to do, the rules you're supposed to follow, or what you're supposed to believe and whom you're supposed to trust. We dig deep and share information that you should know so you can make decisions for yourself and design your life the way you want it to be based on intelligence and facts, not propaganda or somebody else's agenda. Welcome to Ascension Sisters. I'm your host, Cece Kelly, and I'm here with special guest and whistleblower and my real-life sister, Suzanne Helene. Suzanne, welcome back, and thanks for being here. Thanks, Cece. Glad to be here. And since this is a live show, we'd like to uh, recognize some events that have happened tonight. Uh, Senator John McCain has passed at 81 of brain cancer, and we're sorry to hear that. And may he rest in peace, and uh, thoughts are definitely with his people. So here we are, Ascension Sisters. If you remember from our last episode, which you can listen to in iTunes and on YouTube, You'll remember Suzanne's testimony about her experiences at a large medical facility in Southern California where she was exposed to nuclear radiation and other toxic substances that may have caused cancer and the deaths of over 20% of her coworkers in her office, in addition to being diagnosed with cancer and autoimmune diseases herself. And tonight, we're going to take an in-depth look at the history and circumstances surrounding the location of the hospital and medical facility where Suzanne worked, and how the radiation and other cancer-causing contaminants may have gotten there in the first place. And uh, we are going to go through a lot of technical yet fascinating uh, scientific documentary style technical information and I hope you enjoy it. It is rather detailed and uh, Susan's going to uh, add her commentary as well. So let's uh, start at the beginning. The history of the Downey site which is the location of the hospital and medical facility that's the former home to NASA and Boeing and the early space program. So the Downey facility on Lakewood Boulevard in the city of Downey was used by North American Aviation to build airplanes during the 1940s and 1950s. It was later used by Rockwell International to build the space shuttle. In addition to these aerospace operations, a small portion of the Downey facility was also used for nuclear research from about 1948 to 1955. Operations were conducted by the Atomic Energy Research Department, which later became the Atomics International Division. Under an operating contract with the Atomic Energy Commission, North American Aviation operated a 2-MeV Van de Graaff accelerator, which is basically a low-level nuclear reactor at Downey. In addition, the AEC funded a 4-watt water boiler neutron source reactor at the Downey facility as well. Startup for the reactor was in April of 1952, and this small research reactor was moved to Area 4 of the Santa Susana Field Laboratory in 1955. And we're going to be talking about Santa Susana in addition to Downey because they're very closely linked. 
From the early 1950s to 1964, the Downey facility, remember this is the location of the hospital and medical facility where Suzanne worked. It was officially known as AFP-16 or Air Force Plant 16 under Air Force contract, the Downey facility, which was owned by the Volte Aircraft Division of the Aviation Manufacturing Corporation, began to develop a new missile concept called Navajo, which would lead to technology utilized in the space program. The company was also experimenting with atomic energy, and in 1952, a research reactor was tested and placed into operation in Downey and was the first nuclear reactor built and operated in California. It's 1952. The Downey facility was involved in manufacturing the prototype for the first cruise missiles, the development of the X-15 aircraft, and in 1964, and this is very important, it was transferred to NASA for work on the space program. The NASA facility in Downey was responsible for the Apollo project and the Columbia, Challenger, Discovery, and Atlantis space shuttles. So if we fast forward a little bit, just to give some perspective and all of this you know, technical information, back in about 2000, USA Today reviewed more than 100,000 pages of declassified federal records and identified more than 300 private companies and properties that apparently were engaged in weapons work on this site that we're talking about, and learned that the Downey site had processed at least 300 uranium slugs slated for use as nuclear reactor fuel in early 1953. So this is crazy. Mm. The original nuclear facility was dismantled in 1956 and moved to the Santa Susana Field Laboratory location. And as I said, we're going to be talking about that, too. So we have in our possession a copy of the Department of Energy's report dated 1989, which is part of a larger environmental survey of the Santa Susana location where the material from the Downey NASA Boeing Space Program site was transported. So you can see these two locations are very linked. So here's what uh, the report concludes. The major preliminary findings of the environmental survey of the Department of Energy activities at the Santa Susana site are as follows. There are approximately 10 areas in area four, that's the Santa Susana site where all the materials from Downey were transferred back in the 50s, allegedly. There are 10 areas where hazardous and or radioactive substances resulting from Department of Energy activities have or may have been disposed or spilled or released. These constitute actual and potential sources of soil and or groundwater contamination. The full nature and extent of contamination is not known. This is 1989. There are at least three areas of groundwater contamination at Area 4 that appear to be related to past Department of Energy activities. The contaminants are organics in the parts per billion range. Some of the concentrations exceed the California action levels. Due to an inefficient number of groundwater monitoring wells, the groundwater monitoring program is not capable of accurately determining the direction of the groundwater flow. This is not good news. Or characterizing the nature and extent of groundwater contamination at known and potential 
source areas and detecting off-site groundwater contamination. So it sounds inconclusive, but it looks like it's trying to cut the site a break, but why wouldn't they? It's in their best interest. So just a few years after this report was released, another report from the Department of Energy came out in April 1991 that states the following specifically about the Downey site. The environmental subteam identified 22 findings related to nonconformance with federal and state of California laws and regulations, Department of Energy orders, and site contractor operation procedures, and 17 findings related to best management practices. Key environmental programmatic findings include inadequate environmental monitoring, inadequate inadequate characterization and deficiencies with Department of Energy required environmental plans and site contractor standard operating procedures. Doesn't sound very good. The more significant contributing causal factors contributing to the root causes include the lack of or inadequate operating procedures for the site contractors environmental programs inadequate training in the requirements of existing environmental laws, regulations, Department of Energy orders, and site contractor standard operating procedures, inadequate allocation of resources, and inadequate reviews and appraisals, which did not formally identify many of the assessment findings. They further go on to talk about safety and health, where significant improvements are needed before all activities at the facility can be judged to have achieved an acceptable performance level according to new safety culture stipulated for Department of Energy sites. A total of 138 concerns are presented in the safety and health section of this appraisal report. 133 concerns are addressed to the site contractor and five are targeted specifically to this organization. Three of the concerns, two on worker safety and electrical systems and one on personal protection are designated category two. So they go on to define what category two means. A category two concern addresses a substantial non-compliance with Department of Energy orders or a significant risk, a clear and present danger to workers or to members of the public. Hmm. These key concerns include lack of formal safety programs, insufficient oversight, deficiencies in administrative controls, noncompliance with DOE orders and federal regulations, insufficient oversight, and deficiencies in maintenance, administration, and control. So our research, the Ascension Sisters, shows that no further records were available of the decontamination and decommissioning of the Downey facility itself, let alone a similar study to determine environmental viability or suitability for the construction of a hospital on the site. Now, we find it remarkable that in 1991, we had a bunch of incompetence, basically that's what this report is describing, who weren't deemed equipped to clean up the site, but just nine years later in 2000, the year 2000, just before the transfer of the land to the city of Downey, where it could be sold to private developers, that Boeing put out a survey that actually said everything was okay and that the land could be used for unrestricted use. It seems, the timing seems rather remarkable. 
So the following is from the summary of the Boeing survey, which basically said no evidence of radioactive contamination was found in the facility and regulatory cleanup standards promulgated by the Department of Energy, the NRC, and California DHS were met. The area is therefore suitable for release for unrestricted use with no radiological restrictions. This seems rather remarkable, if not simply convenient. According to the Los Angeles Times, Winston Hickox, then the then Cal EPA secretary, approved of and praised the transfer of the property from NASA Boeing to the city of Downey as great for the environment and for the Southlands economy. It sounds like the mayor from Jaws, something like that. Let's look at the implications of the Boeing survey. So even though they said it was okay, there's something going on here. Um, under the Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act, better known as Superfund, former U.S. military and industrial sites can be purchased by private developers who promise to clean up the land. So this survey by Boeing, which we have in our possession, basically paves the way for the contaminated site to be upgraded from a Superfund site to a brownfield. Now, a brownfield is a former industrial or commercial site where future use is affected by real or perceived environmental contamination. Now, because they're saying the chances of radioactive contamination are, and I quote, so remote, they don't recommend that the site had to be tested, let alone cleaned up. And I wonder why, because at the same time, cleanup efforts were being estimated to come in at about $2 billion over 20 years. And this is about 10, 13 years ago that um, these reports were going on. So no wonder they wanted to uh, make getting rid of the site as doable as possible. Once it's upgraded to a brownfield, private developers can buy it, and they're not legally required to do anything. And this obviously illustrates a dangerous loophole that allows for development to occur before hazardous substances are completely removed. On Here's something else. On December 4th, 2003, in a nationally precedent-setting agreement, the International International Risk Assumption Downey LLC, otherwise known as IRAD, a subsidiary of International Risk Group, was awarded a $20.5 million contract by the city of Downey for the privatization and assumption of the environmental responsibilities of the former National Aeronautics and Space Administration, hey, that's NASA, industrial plant in Downey, California, and that IRAD will indemnify NASA the United States General Service Administration, the city of Downey, the hospital and medical facility that was built there, and Downey Landing, LLC, and other prospective purchasers for claims and costs incurred or asserted as a result of the environmental conditions and remediation at the Downey site. This indemnity includes claims accruing both before and after the property transfer, closing stemming from historical operations, including claims arising as a result of remediation of the properties, and the indemnity will also encompass new previously unknown conditions and have a term of about 10 years. So in other words, here we have NASA and Boeing who just wants to sell the land and get out, um, saying that the site is safe for unrestricted use. And Stuart Lichter, who is the developer who ultimately uh, purchased the land for developing, who ultimately you know, purchased it, he, he doesn't really have to do anything now in terms of cleaning up because the site because Boeing says on paper, hey, there's no, there's no reason to do this. 
So cut to 2002, a voluntary cleanup agreement was entered into by the California Department of Toxic Substances Control and the as yet unnamed medical facility that we're talking about where Suzanne was an employee to conduct a preliminary endangerment assessment for parcels two and four of the site. And this is important because these parcels, we can actually uh, link to where Suzanne and her coworkers were actually located on the site. Results from the assessment indicated that a VOC plume from an offsite source was migrating beneath the proposed hospital complex. And VOC stands for volatile organic compounds and they get their name from their ability to pass easily from a liquid into a gaseous state. And the potential contaminants of concern here are arsenic, lead, uranium, plutonium, uh, chromium, and trichloroethylene. And what's affected by this is, hey, air, water, soil, basically, you know, everything around us. So essentially, we, the Ascension Sisters, are questioning the wisdom of allowing the privatization of a remediation efforts, which removes the responsibility from the government and places it into the hands of developers who just want to start capitalizing on their investment. So we have to ask, should the medical complex be charged with criminal negligence for building a healthcare complex on a toxic site? On September 7, 2000, the Department of Toxic Substances Control Office of Military Facilities faxed a letter to EPA Region 9 Administrator Philip Armstrong about the draft environmental assessment. And it notes how a local water company had detected low-level concentrations of organic solvents, including uh, tetrachloroethylene, which can affect the central nervous system, kidney, liver, and reproductive system, and symptoms manifest themselves as dizziness, headaches, and poor balance, not to mention other fatalities. And I know Suzanne had some commentary at this point about some of her coworkers who were affected. Oh, yes, absolutely. And Cece, thank you so much for this report. I'm listening and my eyes are just wide open. And I am thinking of, in fact, today I talked to one of my colleagues and um, and she was telling me about, uh, this is one of our former coworkers, um, his name was Ivan, and he, uh, we found out, died of cancer. And during the time he worked um, at, you know, in our, our work unit, he had um, gotten a lot of harassment because he, he kept, uh, you know, having to go out sick. And uh, one of the things that, you know, really, really made my jaw drop here is some of the symptoms, dizziness, headaches. Uh, he had migraines. He had vertigo. Um, he was um, he also had some um, GI issues and he um, was uh, dealing with notes left on his desk, you know, uh, harassing him because he was out. Um, saying, oh, he's depressed and middle-aged and, you know, and it, it, and it's just really something else um, because here's this guy who is a very hard and dedicated worker. And I remember him well. I used to run into him in the grocery store and um, he ended up out and I remember the boss is saying he was faking it. And, um, and then quietly after some months, he dies. And, um, you know, discrediting people, intimidating them, 
um, and basically treating people who dedicate their life to like mental health and um, and healthcare and uh, like as we're expendable, you know, that um, our lives don't matter um, when it comes down to the the profit motives, you know, of, of these people who have no idea what's going on. I mean, how it's affecting, you know, uh, human beings, human health and, uh, and being, uh, you know, intimidated, you know, uh, in all of this by our own direct, uh, our own management, you know, what's all that? Anyway, it just, it's, it's making my blood boil just even going into it. I know. And thank you for that. And I mean, you have to wonder, it, it just seems all connected. You know, here you have, you know, management, a company that is treating people like this. And it's not that, that we're saying that they know something um, or that they're worried that if someone gets sick, or is there going, are they going to, you know, sue the company because of their illness? Are things going to be uncovered? Are things going to be disclosed? You know, these low-level managers, they probably don't know, but somehow they've been, I don't know, brainwashed. They've been intimidated themselves, you know, by their higher-ups. You know, don't let this get out of hand. You know, they have quotas to meet and um, they have, you know, certain numbers to hit. You know, uh, I know, Suzanne, you were telling me that even on your job, you know, you have a dashboard and it lists you know, who's on a call, who's not on a call, and and the supervisors are held accountable for how many calls are taken. Yes, and uh, I want to just, you know, add to your point, I do understand that it's, you know, the role of management to make sure that the operation is running um, smoothly and that, um, what, you know, the calls are getting answered and people are getting helped. Uh, but it's no reason to harass anyone. No, no. Um, you know, and and when it comes down to, you know, people being sick to try to uh, discredit them uh, and to intimidate them, that that part is is, you know, not helping the problem. <laughs> we have a much bigger problem, as as you've been describing for, for quite some time with this report. Yeah, thanks for that um, commentary. Let's. Uh, dive a little back into some of the history here. So the letter that we were referring to that was talking about the volatile organic compounds that were indeed found in the water at the Downey site that the letter got sent to was sent to um, the, the head of the EPA at the time. The letter states it's, also, our understanding that no risk assessments for human and ecological health have yet been performed on this property. And we're talking about the Downey site once again. The letter continues, additionally, it's the understanding that NASA has proposed that future land restrictions be placed in the deed to prohibit use that may expose persons or the environment to residual contaminants. The department recommended that a land use covenant be entered into that would bind future owners. And the letter was sent during negotiations for early transfer of the NASA site to the city of Downey. Now this has a lot of implications. The early transfer authority allows the deferral of a Superfund deed covenant that requires all remedial action necessary to protect, to protect human health 
and the environment to be completed prior to the property transfer. Now, in November 2009, a Los Angeles judge dismissed a libel lawsuit filed by Stuart Lichter, who is the developer that uh, ultimately bought the property from the city of Downey to develop it. But that was made possible because of this early transfer situation before any remedial actions could be taken. So the judge dismissed the lawsuit that Lichter filed um, who bought the brownfield and built on it against two ex-Downey workers, which documents their health concerns. Okay. Lichter did not return requests by the LA Times at the time for comment, but he told the reporter that his company did an amazing amount to transform this property, and everything we've done has been totally responsible. You know, I want to add in something, because I do remember that uh, – that there were nurses and people who had worked at the nearby Downey studios who were um, picketing and they didn't want the hospital opened. And, uh, and so um, Stuart Lichter sued their labor union and they ended up having to, uh, they settled out of court and they had to pay, pay up. Um, like it was over $700,000. Wow. I, I remember. Um, and these were all people just, you know, saying, hey, we got sick, you know, and it was hurting his business. So he sued. That's insane. So, I mean, sure, you know, he, I guess he thinks he did an amazing amount, but not enough. I mean, he transformed an old unused site into a beautiful hospital on the surface, but at what price? Not everything was removed. Not everything was cleaned up from the site to ensure a safe environment for the new development. In essence, this is right out of the movie Poltergeist, you know, where the dad screams at the developer because his family and life are being destroyed by ghosts of the people still buried on the land his house is built on. It's like you left the bodies and you only moved the headstones. That's what's going on here. They built the beautiful hospital on top, but they left all toxic stuff in the ground. Recently, uh, Lawrence Rose, a former Cal OSHA public health officer, reviewed complaints of some Downey employees, and he said the employees have an unusually high incidence of work-associated illnesses. In view of the long history of previous industrial activity, a thorough workplace investigation should be carried out in relation to the illness complaints, and the sampling for all toxic chemicals previously used there should be carried out in a systematic, formal way, and this has not been done. I mean, clearly something's up, you know, for Ivan and the 20% of the people on Suzanne's team that succumb to either cancer or other diseases. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just unreal. I mean, uh, Suzanne, and like the one minute that we have left, um, maybe you can just tell us a little about, do you are, obviously you're still in touch with some of the people that you, uh, that you used to uh, work with at the facility? Yes. Yes. In fact, 18 clinicians there, and my um, my you know dear friend and colleague I was talking to today, who had mentioned um, a story about Ivan. She she told me the reason this she even brought it up was that we have a coworker there now who's been out many days because she has had um, uh, I guess a, a three different surgeries for kind of tumors that keep growing back. Um, and, um, and so she's facing some, I think a little bit of intimidation because she's been calling out sick a lot. That's, uh, that's insane. And just in the, uh, uh, less than one minute that we have left, uh, what would you like to have happen if we can prove that a lack of testing, that there are toxic substances, you know, 
that have caused these cancers and deaths, what would you like to see happen? Well, get all the testing done. We need people to know that they're safe and that they're okay and that all measures are taken to make sure that it's a safe place and that people have access to all the care and that help that they may need now and in the future. Well, that's what we're going to be working towards over the course of this series. And next week, that's all the time we have for tonight. Next week, please join us live again Saturday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. You can uh, tune in live, and you can also listen to us on YouTube and iTunes. And next week, we're going to be diving deep into Suzanne's former position on the pet team, where she was basically a cross between Scully and Dr. House driving around Uh, Southern California in the middle of the night, uh, meeting a host of characters, including people who claim to have seen zombies, and she even uh, participated in an exorcism at one point, and uh, we will tell you the tale. So thank you for listening tonight, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye-bye.